Hey guys, Hannah Donnelly here for another episode of On Her Mark WNBA edition. It has been such a great W season and I've had so much fun bringing you updates and fun conversations with players and experts all season long. Last, last week, we celebrated the 2023 WNBA champions, the Las Vegas Aces, the first team in more than 20 years to earn the title back-to-back -back years. The New York Liberty put up a solid fight, but ultimately dropped game four to lose the series. The league's defensive player of the year, Asia Wilson, earned finals MVP, finally. And man, that was a moment. If you haven't watched the post-game press conference, do yourself a favor and watch it now. <laughs> the Aces are just such a fun team to watch on the court, but also off the court. The way that they celebrated was so fun. They truly are a team and they know how to party. <laughs> also, huge shout out to Sydney Colson for the Instagram Live that brought us in on the action for hours. <laughs> so to wrap up the season, we brought back Robin Pearson from The Gist to look back on the final series and look ahead at the college season. We talk about the Vegas bench players who really stepped up with two starters out in game four and the Liberty. We talk about where they came up short and how the Aces really had everything to put the super in super team. Robin also reveals the college players she is most looking forward to tracking this season. Plus, listen till the end because Robin is manifesting the best 3v3 matchup she wants to see in the new unrivaled league. That is the league that Brianna Stewart and Nafisa Collier are starting to help keep players domestic in the offseason. And this matchup is chef's kiss. <laughs> so let's not waste any time. Please welcome Robin to the On Her Mark podcast. So last night, Aces took home their second, their back-to-back -back, uh, WNBA championship title. Robin, I mean, talk about last night's game. I mean, I think what the Aces managed to do in Brooklyn against a packed Liberty Stadium is truly phenomenal. I mean, that game came down to the wire. It was back and forth the entire time, shot for shot. You had players step up that hadn't before. Players continuing to do what they do best, like John Cole Jones. Um, Asia Wilson, obviously, continuing to do the amazing stuff she's done all playoffs long. But I think, honestly, it was just one of those games where uh, we were talking about this earlier, but one of those games where you're like, how can someone not like the WNBA? The product was there. The intensity was there. The back and forth was there. The quality was there. Like, it really just was, it had everything that that game for. And the drama, which I think, like, I mean, we can get to this, but Sydney Colson taking the mic from Holly Rowe at the end to kind of clap back at Sabrina Ionescu was, was fabulous. Um, and we'll get to that, but Sydney, you know, was one of those players that stepped up yesterday. I think, you know, uh, with Chelsea Gray out and with Kia Stokes out, that really charged the aces with having their bench step up. And I know a conversation before this matchup was really that the aces had a limited bench, right? The, the Liberty rely on their bench players, you know, day in, day out. Um, but to see Sydney Colson and Kayla George. Yeah. 
out of nowhere. <laughs> Who knew that she was such a good shooter? Yeah, she was lights out for sure. So my who are you most impressed with? I mean, for me, I mean, it goes back to that saying, like, defense wins championships. And watching Alicia Clark absolutely shut down Stewie and hold her to 10 points in that game was massive. I mean, Stewie struggled this whole playoff series in general. I think the Aces overall have done a really great job. But in particular, last night, Clark did her duty, and she kept her in her lane, in her zone. And I think that was a really big part of the Aces coming away with that win. If those players don't get hot, it's hard to come back in the game. So that brings up a good point, because I think Stewie was one that we were kind of waiting for her to heat up the whole series. And um, I mean, there were moments, there were glimpses of it, but we never saw it, saw it happen kind of um, continuously. But when we, when we look at the last play, eight seconds left, they're down by one and Stewie struggled (laughs) with the inbound. And were we trying to get it to Stewie? Like, I just, what were your thoughts kind of on that last play? Truthfully, I was texting some of my old basketball teammates uh, during the game and we were sitting there just being like, they're not running anything set. They're just going to try and maybe get it back to Stewie, maybe not. But there didn't really seem to be any kind of, you know, any kind of set that they were going to run into to get her the ball back. So it ended up being a total flop because she just seemed, everybody seemed lost. And you really don't want that with, you know, 10 seconds left down by two, whatever it is, like you want to make sure you have something to run that the team knows like the back of their hand to get to exactly the player. And if not that player, a backup second and a backup third option, you can't stand there and be like, well, she doesn't get it. What do we do? That's exactly how it felt in that moment. It kind of felt like they were all trying to pass it off to someone else kind of being like, you take the shot, you take the shot. And it's like, you just need what you need. Like, don't go for the three. You don't need the three. Yeah, you just need a shot to, you know, get to the rim. Maybe you get your rebounders in there and get a little tip up. Like 10 seconds is more time than you think in a basketball game. Mm-hmm. And realistically, you have someone like John Quell who's down low with that huge height. She's had tip-ins all series long. Why wouldn't you just at least try and get a shot up that had something to it and get her close to the rim? I mean, that's what I didn't understand. But, you know, that's also coming from a very set-focused offense when I grew up playing. So it's hard for me to watch. Hindsight's <laughs> <laughs> twenty twenty always. And so, you know, after the game, Asia Wilson getting finals MVP, which, uh, you know, I think we knew was coming, but what was your reaction when you saw that? I mean, it speaks for itself. I think the entire league realized that she was snubbed in the, you know, even just showing up third place in voting. That's just absurd. It, I mean, I love Stewie, don't get me wrong, but it should have been between her and Alyssa Thomas. So that's my own thing. But her to not get finals MVP would be insane because what did she drop? Like 20 points per game, 12 rebounds per game, 1.5 blocks per game on 50% shooting. So half the shots she put up went in the hoop. That's insane. Those are crazy numbers. And so it was just absolutely so deserved that she had that in her pocket because not only did they get the back-to-back ship, but she finally got that recognition she should have had earlier in the season. Uh, I loved that Alicia Clark called out the person who voted her fourth, and I'm still waiting for that fourth person to come forward. <laughs> I don't think they'll ever come forward. I think the way that Aces team and the like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna jump you. We're gonna be fine. Like, yes. don't worry, don't be scared. And it's like, would you not be terrified? That Aces team is so tight knit and so connected to each other. Like, they would go to bat for every single one of their players. So. The fact that she called her out, I was like, oh, they're they're fighting. They're ready. Yeah. I mean, what an incredible team. And I love that they all, you know, Sydney Colson, like all jokes aside, you know, talking about people counting them out because 
because they were going to have to rely on bench players. And she's like, no, this is the moment that this is why we play. Right. Like that's what they live for is, is that opportunity. Um, so going back to the Liberty, I think, you know, I want to talk about something Kelsey Plum said today, calling out the Liberty for having great individual players, but not being a good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because I thought that was, that was really interesting in a, in a battle that was pretty close throughout the, throughout the season, at least. I mean, I don't think she's wrong. I think the issue is like the Liberty obviously signed John Quell and Stewie in the off season. So they've only had, you know, X amount of time to actually mesh and actually get together. But on the Aces team, by the other hand, I think there's only one player. Kia Stokes is the only player on that roster that plays overseas. So the fact that, their whole team is together in the off season really allows them to build that chemistry. Whereas I feel like the New York Liberty, I mean, excuse the pun, haven't had that Liberty mm-hmm. to do that. And I think that obviously Stewie has this new three on three league that she's starting, hoping to keep more players domestic. I think that if the Liberty can keep their team in the same place in the off season, they could probably work on that cohesiveness. Cause I, again, I think the ACEs team are right to say that they're a lot closer. They've had the same people on the same team for a long time. And good teams come up from not just good players, but good chemistry. And if you don't have the good chemistry, unfortunately, that's not going to be enough. That's just the reality of basketball. And I think, I think there's truth to that too, as we saw that when, you know, Benajah Laney kind of came up, I mean, she's been playing consistently well, but she kind of came up in, in these moments. And there were times where I was like, they're not getting her the ball as much as they probably need to. Is that, I hate to use the word selfish, but is there, does that play into it? Right. Of, wanting to be the hero yeah I mean I think if any player on that on that team would feel that way you've got superstars left right and center that really haven't played with that many other superstars I think the only I mean when Stewie played for Seattle sure she was playing along Sue Bird and and Gabby Williams is a really strong player and others but the reality is I don't think any player on that Liberty team has played with that many all-stars at the same time and so that's obviously going to cause issues and for someone like Laney, you know, she has been with the Liberty for a long part of her career now. And, you know, they're not working stuff around her, even though they probably should, because she was probably arguably the most consistent of that lineup, other than maybe John Quell. But mm-hmm. that's just my opinion, I think. Speaking of Benaja and John Quell, they both got signed. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Today? In addition to the Liberty team, the Liberty was fined twenty five thousand for not having, not following the WNBA rules around post game press. The requirement is that the coach and two players need to be available, plus any additional players need to be made available that are asked for need to be made available in a different location. Sabrina, JJ, and Benija did not appear for those interviews and therefore were fined. Thoughts on that? I mean, it's a rule. I think it's also. It's one of those ones that's tough, right? I think that in those moments, sure, it's a rule and it's your job and everybody likes to play that card. Well, it's their job. They should be set scrutiny or whatever. But I think in truth, especially those three were like disappointed in how things played out. Mm-hmm. And 
I think, you know, they're human beings. At the end of the day, like, I think that it's a rule for the sake of media and press and exposure and all these different things, but it doesn't really take into consideration how these players must be feeling in those moments. And maybe they were feeling so emotional that they wouldn't want to say the wrong thing. And they're honestly trying to protect their brand, their reputation, all those different things. Because we've seen some of those press conferences go extremely wrong when, you know, they're not supposed to, but they end up going that way because a player is heated or upset. And so I think it was within their right to do so. I still believe it's within the WNBA's right to find them. It's a tough one to say because both sides are right, but which one is truly right? I don't think there's an answer for that. Yeah, a hundred percent. I I agree with you on this, and I think you see the maturity and kind of the uh, the years that Stewie and uh, Sloot have. Um, Courtney Vandersloot were the two players that kind of came out, and you know, it was the company line. You know, their answers. We're proud of this team. Didn't go our way, but all in all, the Super Team Finals. Were you, we talk about this early on, this is what we were hoping for. This was a really great entryway for WNBA fans, for new WNBA fans. Were you pleased with with the outcome of this season? Well, that's a tough question. I'm a Liberty fan at heart. I always have been for a long time. So that's a tough one personally. But I will say that I think the Aces deserved it. They've had a chip on their shoulder all season when everybody said, oh, New York's going to come and dethrone the Aces and they proved that that wasn't true. They stuck it. They played an incredible season. They stuck it out through, you know, anything that came their way, injuries, what have you. And they proved that they were the better super team and the more cohesive super team. I'm happy that Asia got her just desserts on the, you know, MVP snub. So that is also a plus. But I think in terms of like the caliber of basketball, there were some things that were missing. I think you know, you look at those super teams, you expect superstars to show up. And unfortunately on the Liberty side, that just was not the case. Mm-hmm. So I think if we're going to have those super team matchups, you want them to be super competitive and what, there were two blowout games in the aces favor. So that's not showing the level of competitiveness that you want to see in a finals matchup um, in comparison to previous years where, you know, every game it's been a five game series down to the wire, the whole thing. So that would be my only thing as a fan would be, if we're going to hype up the super team matchup so much, it's got to be the best basketball we've ever seen. And I just don't, I think there were better matchups in the regular season. And you know what? I agree with you on that. And I do think that the best, the best series of the postseason for me was the Liberty in the sun. Um, yeah. I really think that that was where we saw like all out the, just the physicality of it. I mean, anyone playing against JJ is going to get physical, but the physicality of the sun versus the Liberty, there was nothing like that. Yeah, and there's history there too, right? JJ leaving the Connecticut Sun to go mm-hmm. play for the Liberty. Like, there's if there's ever a, you know, a personal vendetta, it's going to be that. But now moving into the next season with personal vendettas in mind, I think the Liberty are going to come out swinging next year against the Aces just to prove that it, you know, that wasn't them. And I think that's exciting to look forward to this next season coming up. Is that hopefully that will start to really create an amazing rivalry, and that's realistically what the W needs to grow its fandom is to have dynasties, have rivalries, have, you know, crazy competitive teams that like you circle that on your calendar and you're like, I need to watch that game. That's what you need. hundred percent. And so speaking of these teams and these franchises that need to develop into dynasties, I mean, we have the links who are on the come up. Uh, I mean, I mean, they <laughs> talking about, they were this dynasty that everyone wanted to talk about. And then they kind of had a dip and we'll see what happens. I mean, 
fee is definitely holding it down for them. But then we look at the uh, Phoenix Mercury and there were, since their season ended, and timing <laughs> is everything, you gotta give them credit. Yeah. They've announced um, not only a $100 million practice facility, of course the, the Mercury will share it with the Sun, but they've announced that and a new coach um, in Nate Tibbetts, who is uh, now the highest paid coach in the WNBA thoughts on the investment. Cause we've seen that investment in, in the, with the aces, right? They, this is very similar to what they did a few years ago, hiring Becky Hammond, their facility. Will this help them? <laughs> I mean, you talk about the Phoenix Mercury, talk about a franchise that just hasn't figured it out. Unfortunately, they have superstars. They have veteran leadership. They have all these pieces that should in theory work yeah. together, but I think they're working through obviously all the stuff with BG, lots of in injuries um some team chemistry drama issues um you know i think there's a lot going on i hope that the change in leadership from an ownership perspective will fix a lot of those things mm -hmm. um investing in women's sports is the only way to help those teams realistically so i think it's the best part about it is seeing a new owner come in and be like i see this potential how do i make it better yeah. and realistically look at what the aces did new facilities new coaching, new, all these different things. How can we totally revamp this franchise by putting money and putting resources into it? I think that's the biggest thing to take away from this new ownership so far. How long do you think it will take for them, given the kind of combination of obstacles they have? Is this a one-year thing? Is this a five-year thing? Oh man, I think that depends on a few things. I think it depends on Diana Taurasi. If she decides to play it out, like the true dinosaur that she is, we love her for it. You know, she could still provide a lot of veteran leadership, but is she going to retire after one year, after two years, after three? What does their draft prospects look like? Mm -hmm. What are they thinking of building around BG? Because I think that's, you know, how are you going to support your best players is going to be their next key. Practice facilities, investment, all that stuff is great to grow the business side of it and also the players, but like really the, the whole picture of the franchise. I think for the team itself, it could take anywhere from two to four years, I would say, to really get it back to even remote championship contendants because I just don't believe that they have the pieces right now to make that happen. But you never know. We've got great draft prospects coming up in the next few years from the college level. So if they pick up somebody really good, they could pull in Atlanta Dream and completely start the path to new things. 100%. And so speaking of new things, new coaches, we're also looking at the Chicago Sky who uh, started the season rough. I mean, didn't end... Well, <laughs> however, they did, you saw, we did see some growth throughout this season. They did. But their head coach, James Wade, did leave in the middle of the season for an opportunity in the NBA, leaving a handful of players on the sky that came to Chicago for him specifically. But now WNBA legend Teresa Weatherspoon is taking the reins. So Robin, what impact do you think that she'll have? I mean, it's an, it's a young squad. So I think it'll be interesting to see how Weatherspoon can, you know, put her teachings of being an, a WNBA player herself onto these young players, because that's the truth. When you're bringing in a coach that has played in the league itself, you're not only bringing on someone who knows the game super well. I mean, she coached with the New Orleans Pelicans for a while. Like she knows how to coach, but she also knows how to coach in the W for the WNBA. And I think that's the big key part. I mean, you see what Becky Hammond has done with the Aces. It's another ex-WNBA player, coach in the NBA for a while, has come back to the W, and you can see the impact that she's had immediately. I really hope the same thing will happen for the Chicago Sky. 
with Teresa because I think that she has the ability to do that. It's just whether or not the players will be receptive after James Wade leaving, as you mentioned, you know, he was a lot of the reason why a lot of them wanted to come play for Chicago. So, you know, will that affect things? I'm not sure. I think that they can feel good about having someone like Teresa come in. I think it's a good fit, but it'll just depend on how she can, you know, get the players to trust her and work with her and, and see how they react to it before we can see any real change. And I think a lot of this, like you said, I think weighs on the um, kind of the draft coming in. And we saw with Aaliyah Boston in um, Indiana that they really needed to build around her. And that was weird for a lot of the veteran players on that team to, to have a rookie be the, be kind of their centerpiece that they're building around. I was really excited though, to see the growth of the Indiana fever, just because you gotta, you gotta, well, one, you gotta root for Aaliyah Boston because it's just like, great. <laughs> but, you know, to see, to see them, them grow, but kind of going, you know, bringing this full circle here, when we talk about the super teams, there is always the conversation that, okay, you're going to have two teams and they're going to dominate and everyone else is just going to, going to fall to the, to the bottom of the pack. And I think what we saw this year was that we saw the, the Liberty and the Aces, of course, dominate. But we saw a lot of the like middle pack teams really compete. And we saw some upsets where like the Mystics dropping games, we saw the Sun um, losing some. So I really think that there's opportunity for this league to really grow its caliber in the next few years. When we look at the college, uh, the new players coming in, the the potential draft, um, those that that decide to, to go to the draft this year. I mean, we have this like COVID year. <laughs> yeah still dealing with that but if that aside say everyone decides to declare for the draft this year that we expect to who are you most excited for to watch this college season and then enter into the w yeah i mean the players i'm excited to watch you never know how they're gonna decide on their w career so and some of them might be a little younger but i think they're important to mention Mm -hmm. um i mean obviously one of the ones we're gonna have to watch is Paige beckers you can't talk about the WNBA potential without talking about her it'll be interesting to see how she rebounds from her injury no one's really seen her play yet mm-hmm. so it could be an absolute you know trash party you have no idea <laughs> I don't think it'll be that bad but you never know players coming back from injuries can you know deal with them in very different ways and how is Gino gonna you know manage her her playing time and all these different things so I'll be curious to watch her mm-hmm. I mean you've got the LSU powerhouse combo now with Angel Reese and Haley Van Liff. I think those are two names to keep an eye on for future WNBA players as well. I mean, Angel completely proved herself winning the national championship this past year. It'll be interesting to see if she can do something similar to Aaliyah Boston and be able to transfer how she's played into the W. I think someone who's quite the big trash talker and, you know, big upper could be really good for the WNBA because Everybody already loves her. She's created this name, this brand for herself. Like, it'd be great for the W. But I wonder how she, you know, actually perform at the professional level in the first couple seasons. But you never know. Um, Another one I like to watch and keep an eye out for is actually Mackenzie Holmes from Indiana. She's kind of a sleeper, but she's super, super consistent and has led Indiana with Grace Berger, who is now also in the W. So I feel like it could be interesting to watch her. And I'd be remiss to not say Caitlin Clark, but her future is probably the most up in the air because she seems the most likely to stay at Iowa as long as possible. So we don't really know, but she loves Iowa, loves playing for that team. Obviously that iconic game they just played, breaking the, you know, women's basketball attendance record. I think she loves, you know, wearing the Iowa jersey. So 
depending on when she decides to come into the league, I think she'll bring the same thing as Angel, where they're bringing these existing fan bases to a league that needs fans. So I think that their impact on the W, regardless of what team they play for, will be massive. It's awesome that we have, we can have a conversation about what, four, five, six players that are potential to make such a big impact in less than a year. Yeah, I mean, that's the most exciting part about being a women's basketball fan right now is that no matter what level you're looking at, it's always being elevated. And I think that the future of the W, I mean, everyone likes to say like the future of the NBA is in great hands with all these players. I'm like, the future of the W is in incredible hands. Let's be real. The players we have coming up are better than any women's players we've seen in a long, long time. And I think that's just going to do incredible things for that league. A hundred percent. And you know what? I have loved to see the celebrity support at the games. I mean, Jason Sudeikis, props to the guy. He traveled. He was there when they were getting blown out. Yeah, he is definitely, I mean, he's always been a women's sports legend. He is such an advocate for all women's sports, but especially the W. He's always been a huge fan. You love seeing him. You love seeing big names. I mean, like Aubrey Plaza was at the game. Mm-hmm. You love seeing um, the NBA players showing up to the games. Like all that stuff is important. It's all saying, if I think it's good enough, so should you. And I think that's really the message that some fans and some people need to hear to be like, why do people care? Well, all my favorite people care, so I should too. Uh, so the last question I'll ask you here is the expansion. We're finally getting an expansion team or they announced an expansion team. Um, thoughts on that? Cause I know that's a controversial topic here in the W do you, do you make more teams? Do you create more teams? Do you build roster spots? Where are you standing on that Robin? I think it's such a tough decision because I think there's a lot of things that need to be invested in, in the league. Um, first, I mean, you think about like charter flights, player salaries. I mean, you could increase roster sizes without needing expansion teams, but I don't know why they can't do that. So obviously it's all financial, but the reality is there are other ways to get more players in the league that doesn't necessarily mean expansion, but the other side of expansion is if there's markets that are asking for it, um, that is a great way to bring more money into the league, but it is risky in the sense that it does take time to build these up and start making money back on certain new franchises with all the investment needed to go in. So I think it's a matter of cash flow and how willing they are to see what makes the most sense right now, what market is hungry enough that they think they can make a return faster. I think Golden State is an obvious choice. It's already a huge basketball fandom. I am devastated because I am in Toronto, Canada, and we were on that short list and we were denied, not denied. It's so complicated, but you know that would have been a great one considering we sold out the WNBA Canada game in the preseason. Portland's also a great option. They're still teasing that another one could come out, which I think would be Portland. Um, But at this point, I think expansion should be on the horizon, 2025, 2027. It needs to happen. Otherwise, the rest of these things we've been talking about just won't have the chance to be invested in and to grow. We talk about the new 3v3 league coming this winter to help help allow players to stay here um so they don't have to go overseas they can stay with their families they can make money they can support themselves train all of the all of the things that they deserve um if you could pick and this is like disregard people's current contracts overseas a 3v3 matchup with any w players right now who would you what would you want to see so i have to pick six is what you're you saying to pick six yeah 3v3 Okay. That's a really tough question. I was not prepared for that. Cause I feel like it's. Threw that one at you. Sorry. 
<laughs> no, that's okay. I feel like I'd like to see like a young versus old situation to see mm-hmm. like the new blood versus the old blood, just because I'm like so curious about that because you yeah. don't really get that as much. So for me, I'd love to see Leah Boston on the young squad. I'd love to see, um, I'm going to put Ryan Howard as in the young squad because she's only in her second year. So yeah. it's like a path for me. And honestly, because she's a big point guard and I think she could do a lot more, I'm going to put uh, Haley Jones in the young squad as well. Okay. Just because I think it's curious because she's a six foot point guard and I think that's awesome. Um, and then I think for the old squad to be like, who do I think they should go up against? I think it'd be really fun to see how they do against the big three in Vegas. I want to see Asia Wilson, Chelsea okay. Gray, and Kelsey Plum against the three of them. Oh, there's going to be a lot of trash talk. <laughs> a lot of trash talking. I think that the, I mean, Aaliyah Boston, when she played Asia this season, she was probably one of the few players who actually held her own against her yeah. um, consistently. So I think that's a good matchup. I think that... Ryan Howard and Chelsea Gray would have really just like a lot of fun going up against each other. And I think Haley Jones with her height could handle the quickness and the, you know, the craftiness of Kelsey Plum if she just gives her a little bit of a wide berth. So I think it'd be interesting. That's probably my, my six. All right. Let's see if it happens. (laughs) Here's hoping. Here's to hoping. Well, thank you so much, Robin. I appreciate you taking the time and we'll have to catch up soon. We'll have to get you back on when the three V three is back in. (laughs) I would love that. I need to see if that matchup happens. So anytime. I am so here for that matchup. You guys, like Robin said, Here's to hoping. (laughs) So appreciate all of Robin's time and insight today. You can follow along with her and the entire GIST team on Instagram at the GIST USA. And if you have not subscribed to their newsletter already, do that now. You will be kept up to speed on everything in the women's and men's sports world. All right. Thanks for tuning in this season. And don't worry, the On Her Mark podcast is not going anywhere. We will be back soon with more conversations with female athletes and women in the industry blazing new trails for the next generation. Be sure to subscribe or follow the podcast depending on the platform you listen on so that you are the first to know about all that's coming. As always, thanks for being here. I'll catch you guys next time.